0: I'm going to jump into the message this morning because I'm so excited I can hardly contain myself. I've really enjoyed the series so far. I hope you guys are getting something out of it. How many of you were here last Sunday? As any men here last Sunday? I see some women. That's okay, women too, but men here, waving me. Last Sunday, we talked about being the point man and, uh, and how important it was that God's called us to lead in our homes and he's called us to lead like Jesus, which is important. And I just want to tell every guy that happened to be here last Sunday what a blessing it was. Uh, as you join me as we simply rededicated our masculinity and our manhood to the Lord. I want to encourage our wives as we're encouraging men to be leaders. How many of you know I've seen this happen many, many times. A wife will say, you know, my husband's just not leading. He's not following the Lord. You know, he's passive. And then God gets a hold of your husband and he starts leading. And then it's something like this. You're like, Great, my husband's leading. You say, where are we going to go out to eat? Well, honey, you decide. Your husband decides, and as soon as he pulls in the parking lot, you're like, you chose this? <laughs> or you say, honey, I'm going to take you out for a date. Where would you like to go? You, you just surprise me. And then he surprises you, and you're like, we're going here? <laughs> Ladies, if your husband is the leader, and your husband found his mission— How many of you know that was what we talked about last week, too? Man, how can your wife submit to the mission if she doesn't know where you're going because you're not leading the family? So, check it out. Husbands start leading, but guess what has to happen to the rest of the crew? They got to start following. Oh, now I'm meddling. Now I'm meddling. It was so great with that message. Men, lead. Come on. Yeah, come on. But then as soon as we start doing it now, we start getting into trouble. So we challenge men to lead with love, and we challenge men to bring life-giving to their wives and life-giving to their children. Amen? Men not to be passive. Men not to be angry. Men not to be stubborn. Men to keep pursuing Jesus. And let me just say this. If you're in this room, you're single, and you're in your 20s, wave at me. Looking for You're in your teens, wave at me. A young lady, you're single. All right, not, not, not men, just young. I'm, I'm, I'm helping the guys out now. You guys keep your arms down. <laughs> Some, sometimes, these, sometimes we find like these women, I just want to marry a man like Jesus. Well, can you give Jesus about 20 years to work on your man so that he looks like Jesus because you ain't going to find him looking like Jesus at age 20. He might look like he's like Jesus, but trust me, when he marries you, and you get together under the roof, there would be a little work to do. <laughs> so don't have this standard so high. Now, hear me, have a standard that you want a man that loves Jesus. That's important. But can you give your man room to become like Jesus by loving him, believing in him, encouraging him, speaking life to him, finding things he's doing right, not the things he's doing wrong, the things he's doing right, and say, keep it up. Are you hear what I'm saying? All right, that is not the message for today, but it, I hope it was helpful. All right, the message for today is making sure we're fighting together, not fighting each other. You know, when I was coming back from India, uh, they were featuring on the, on the airplane, you know, uh, movies they were featuring Steven Spielberg and all the movies that Steven Spielberg has come out with and directed. And of course, there's a whole litany of of great movies that he's produced. One of those movies that caught my attention was Saving Private Ryan. And as I was thinking about it this week, the Lord was reminding me that there was a point man, happened to be Tom Hanks in the movie, right? You all remember Tom Hanks was a point man. He was in charge of his squadron of men. And uh and they had a very clear assignment. What was their What was their mission? Save it. You guys are good. All right. That was the name of the movie, wasn't it? Saving. Pri- they're They're looking for Private Ryan because Private Ryan's had three brothers that lost their lives. They want to save Private Ryan so that this mother does not have to uh, lose all of her sons, perhaps. And you remember the opening scene the, when they hit the beaches there in Normandy. I mean, it's a It's a painful scene to watch. It really is. It's sobering. Uh, to think about the men who gave their lives on that beach. They climbed the wall, breached the enemy's uh, forces, took out all the enemy, and then now they begin their mission. And you remember, it wasn't too long into the movie when they're walking along... Uh, they're being led by their point man, and they come to a, a spot where there's a, 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 an enemy stronghold. There's, there's a machine gun, and it's a concrete bunker up there, and they notice some casualties along the way. And one of the guys that's part of the—I'm using the term family now, all right, for our purposes— one of the family members says something at that moment. He says, he says sir, I think we should just go around and avoid the enemy. Remember that scene? And Tom Hanks says this. Oh yeah, that's a good idea, he says. Let's just let some of our unsuspecting family troops come up on this and let them be slaughtered. We know the enemy's there. Our job is to go and take the enemy out. He said, well, that's not part of our mission. He said, oh yes, it is part of our mission. And then he did something that good leaders do. You remember that? He took off his, his, some of his uh, equipment and he knelt down and he began strategizing and he said, look, I'll, he said, I'll go up the middle. Who's gonna go up on the right flank and the left flank? And then he waited, and everybody was quiet because they knew they would be taking their lives in their hands to go up and to do that. But how many of you know good leaders, good husbands lead the way? They never ask, let me tell you the dumbest thing you can say, Father, to your kids. Do as I say, not as I You just absolutely undermine any credibility you'll ever have with your kids, and they're never going to listen to what you tell them to do if you can't do it yourself. Good leaders lead the way. You remember what happened. They stormed the enemy's camp. Uh, They end up taking them out, but in the process, they lose one of their guys. And it's a powerful scene, uh, a poignant scene as they're trying to save this man's life. Well, one of the guys starts mouthing off, and he gets up in in the point man's face, Tom Hank's face, and he starts yelling at him and cussing at him. I was going to show it this morning, but when I looked back and saw the clip, it was way too uh, saucy for um, For for these premises, uh, uh, the profanity was too strong. Um, But it showed you, this is why I bring up the scene, not to to, uh, encourage profanity, but that scene was such a powerful picture of a house divided against itself. Because here you had somebody who was totally insubordinate to the commanding officer. He's in his face, and finally he says this. He says, I quit. I'm done with this mission. I want nothing to do with you all. I'm done with this mission. And then the next in charge... Comes, comes alongside the point man, and he gets up, you remember that scene, he gets up in this guy's face, and he says, you're going to get back, and you're going to do what you're told, I'm not going to do what I told, and then he pulls a gun out, and he points it right between the guy's eyes, and he says, you're going to do what you're told, or I'm going to kill you right here, you know, anybody remember that scene? Now, I'm not encouraging anything in that behavior, I'm using it as a teaching, uh, but I'm just saying this, in some of your all's homes, there's been situations where it's like all hell broke loose in your home. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about the person sitting next to you. Not you, but the person sitting next to you. In your home, due to insubordination, due to a a difference in mission due to an unwillingness to pull together, what happens is chaos breaks loose, doors get slammed, voices get raised, profanity gets gets let loose. Things are said that are damaging to our spouses. Things are said that destroy our children's hearts, and you get into the situation where literally you feel like all hell just came into your home. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The Bible says this, a house divided against itself will most surely fall. How many of you know that's the devil's goal? His goal is to get into your house, and his strategy has always been the same. It's divide and conquer. Now, here's what I want to remind us. The Bible says in Psalm 127 that children are three things. First of all, children are a gift. How many of you are grateful for your children? Amen? We should be grateful for our children. They're gifts from God. The Bible says this. It's even stronger. Our children are rewards. Wow. A child is a reward from God. Isn't that amazing? But then the passage gets into something that's interesting. Now the passage moves into military language. Because this is where we talk about having your quiver for. Remember that? The Bible says kids are gifts, kids are rewards. And listen, kids are arrows. What do you do with an arrow? You kill something. No, you don't just shoot it. No, arrows are not for shooting. Arrows are for killing. Arrows are for pulling back. And I'm looking at Phil Kalil. This is so prophetic because Phil knows how. Phil's probably the best in this room, perhaps, with a bow and arrow. And he knows how to get that deer in its sights during deer season. And that deer will soon be venison because he knows how to do this. But here, now check this out. Our children are meant to be arrows in our quiver as parents, not to kill each other, but to kill the enemy. I'm not talking about humans, I'm not talking about flesh and blood, I'm talking about demonic things, I'm talking about enemies to your family, I'm talking about going after Satan, I'm talking about going after his kingdom. Your children were meant to be with you in the squadron, you're the point man, dad, but if you're not going after God's mission for your home, you're going to end up killing each other, and that's exactly what the devil wants. He wants to turn your home into a battleground when, listen, I shared this last week, my wife is not my enemy. She is flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. She's my dearest friend. She's my covenant partner. She is not my enemy. My children are not my enemy, although at times I have wondered when all hell's breaking loose in our home, um, and I've wanted to shoot somebody, all right? and Again, I'm speaking for, for the tape. I'm speaking figuratively there, all right? But, I, but I, oh, when all chaos is breaking loose, you have to realize that son or that daughter who is, who is in insubordination right now is not my enemy. They're my gift. They're my reward. And I'm going to make sure I bring alignment. In fact, in that movie, Saving Private Ryan, you remember Tom Hanks did something in the heat of the battle when everybody was this far away from killing each other. He, he said something like this. You know, I was a school teacher. Everybody went, because that was what they wanted to know, remember? What did you do before you came into this war? And when he said that, peace came into the camp, and they all kind of started pulling together. Because the point man, instead of causing everybody to blow apart, the point man, the leader, the Christ-like figure, brought peace and brought stability and brought unity to the home. Isn't that amazing? Why is it that we end up killing each other when we're supposed to be fighting together. Listen to what Mark 3 says. A kingdom divided by civil war will collapse... Similarly, a family splintered by feuding is going to fall apart. Some of you, if you came here today and there's a civil war in your home, you need to say, stop it. We're not going to shed the blood of our family members. We are gonna say, end of war. We're gonna wave the white flag. We're gonna bring this thing back together in Jesus' name. I want you to see something here. James chapter three, you can look on the screen. James chapter three says, for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, you're going to find disorder and evil of every kind. I want to paint a picture for you. There have been times in my home, and let me just say this, this is not a message primarily where we're picking on our kids and telling them to shape up and get in line, although there'll be a little bit of that in this message. But many of you know the first person that I need to look at if my home is in disunity, the first person I need to look at is the one in the mirror looking back at me. Many times we're like, how come there's anger in this home? I'm sick of the anger in this home. And then my wife will say something like, honey, you sound angry. And then on the inside, I will look at her and go, will you just shut up because you're right again. I am angry and you called me out on it, which makes me more angry. Man, don't we hate being called out in our, you know. I'm just confessing. Thank God for my wife. And I'll say, well, honey, I am angry. Well, maybe we should deal with your anger first. Mm, I hate it when she's right. <laughs> um, because if my kids are gone, rah, rah, how come you wear my clothes? How come you touch this? How come that? Well, where did that spirit come from? Normally, it came from dad sometimes moms are good at it too. They can do it too. Yep, you nice little ladies. Yep, you can do it too. You can contribute. <laughs> no amens. <laughs> no, no husband saying amen on that one. That, that that was a dramatic pause. We did not need that. All right. Let the Holy Spirit convict your spouse by himself. All right. But here's what I have seen. All it takes with eight kids, two parents, ten people in my house, all it takes is one of us to go sideways, and all hell is breaking loose. Just one bad attitude, one slam door, one eye roll, one person in insubordination to the mission and to the authority structure, and you literally open up the door. I've I pictured this with my. I say, hey kids, hold on, hold that fight. Let me go to the front door. Open the front door. Okay, Satan, you and all your demons, just come into my house. We're having a party in here. In fact, you guys would love this environment. Come on in, have a party with my kids because we're having a ball right now. Hey, don't choke your brother by the throat. Hey, put the knife down. You know, I mean, it's kind of you know that's the way in the spirit it looks like that. You know, and the devil says, wow, we feel at home here because this is just like hell. Anybody know what I'm talking about? All it takes is one kid or one parent sideways. And chaos ensues because look at what the the Bible says here. Every single kind of evil shows up in your house when you are not flowing in the proper spirit and leading in the proper way. And listen, when you're not fighting together, somebody's got their own ideas about how things are supposed to go. I want to teach you this morning about two pillars for a peaceful home. And this applies to all of us. This applies to this church. I mean, you know, this is a family right here. It's the family of God. These principles apply to how we conduct ourselves here. So there's wide application, not just in your home. And let me please just say this. I realize I'm stepping, or, or potentially stepping on landmines today. Some of you came here, and, and your home that you came from was a painful place. You might have had an angry, abusive father, and, and you're dealing with the wounds from that. Um, you might not even know your father. Your father might not even stuck around. You might have had a a, a horrific, uh, traumatic upbringing. Your own home. Some of you are from homes right now where traumatic things have happened. And even when I talk about fathers and mothers and children, I mean, it's painful. Some of you might have children right now that are not following the Lord and they've caused you great pain. Maybe they're, maybe they're full-blown rebellion or they've got serious problems in their lives. Let me just say, uh, I get it, and I get it. Whenever we talk about family, we're, we have the potential to get into messiness, but see the big picture for me. See, see the 30,000-foot picture. I'm trying to give you a blueprint for how to rebuild and bring healing in places where there's been destruction by the enemy, okay? Look with me at um, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents. Why? Why? Because, first of all, you belong to the Lord. How many of you know if you belong to the Lord, it's important to listen to what God says and to obey what God says? And secondly, the Holy Spirit just adds, this is because it's right. I'll get into that in just a moment. Why do we obey our parents as as young people? Because it's right. It's the right thing to do. Look at verse 2. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, look at this. Things will go well for you, and you're going to have a long life on the earth. Now, How many of you know every commandment of God is is a reflection of the heart of God? Some people act like, well, we're not under the law, we're under grace. Listen, the law was an expression of God's grace and mercy because it was God taking the time to tell you the truth about reality. I mean, you know, anytime God has told you, don't do that, it's because he loves you, not because he hates you, and it's because he's trying to keep you from going off the cliff and killing yourself, so we should, we should embrace the commandments of God, not act like we have a better covenant that doesn't involve law. I mean, you know, the Ten Commandments are still invalid, enforced in today for everybody at all times. They've never gone out of style. And notice they're the Ten Commandments. They're not the Ten Suggestions. The first four commandments teach us about how to have a vertical relationship with God. The last five teach us how to have a relationship horizontally with others. The the, the fifth commandment, the commandment that Paul quoted there in Ephesians about honoring parents is a hinge commandment because it deals not only with pleasing the Lord, God says it's pleasing, but it also deals with how we respond on the horizontal level. It is a critical commandment because it comes from the mouth of God. I'm trying to put the weightiness on this because trust me, our culture could care less and we ignore the commands of God. I'm trying to put the weight on this because listen, this is the only commandment where God actually incentivizes what He says. God promises great reward and a long life and a good life if we have a posture that honors authority, in particular our parents. Now, listen, I still have parents. I am still working to honor my parents, and I'm doing it because I want a long life and a good life. How about you? well, pastor, you should just love them because the Bible says to. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says God promises blessing if you will do this, which means the bl- promise of blessing and reward is meant to incentivize the honor and the obedience. Is this making sense? Of course I should honor my parents because just because they're my parents, but that's not enough when God says, oh, by the way, let me reward you for doing so. Our ears should perk up. We shouldn't get all spiritual like, well, I'm, I don't want to do it for reward. God just said he's going to reward you. Knock it off. You got a religious devil right now is what you have. If God promises you reward, then go after the reward. You'd be foolish not to. Is this making sense to everybody? I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to set this up Because I want all of you to be focusing right now, what can I do to be a person of honor with the authorities that God has placed in my life? Because there's reward attached to it. You'd be silly not to. Leviticus 19.3 says this, each of you show respect for your mother and your father. It's pretty clear, isn't it? How do we do that? Here's the first pillar I want to teach you from this passage. It's simply the pillar of obedience. Colossians 3, verse 20. I'm gonna go through these quickly. Colossians 3, 20. Children, always obey your parents. Why? For this pleases the Lord. Now, let me quickly add. I already gave you the caveats. You don't always obey your parents if your parents are, are, are wicked and abusive, physically abusive, verbally abusive, sexually abusive. They're asking you to do wicked things. No, of course, we don't obey our parents in those situations. We obey our parents in ways that are fitting as unto the Lord. So whatever your parents are asking you to do that's definitely not the Lord, don't do it. But let me just tell you what's not in there. Hey, can you have your room cleaned by tonight at five? That's not the Lord. Oh no, that was the Lord. Sounded a lot like your dad, but that was the Lord. That doesn't, that's not included. Or I don't feel like doing the dishes. Oh no, that's not included in in the caveat for disobedience. Children always obey your parents. Can God get any more strong with that? I mean, this is huge. Always obey your parents when they ask you to do something. Now, some of you say, well, you know, my dad, he's, you know, he's not like Jesus all the time. Well, what dad is like Jesus all the time? None of them. How about this? This is amazing to me. Luke 2.51, talking about Jesus. Then Jesus returned to Nazareth with his parents, with them, that's who the them is, And look what Jesus was. Jesus was obedient to them. This is stunning. The sinless son of God, second member of the Godhead, comes to earth, takes on human flesh, the incarnation, God in a bod, comes through the womb of Mary, virgin birth, and he's obedient to his parents. Jesus, God, obeyed his fallen human parents. What excuse do we have before God? to disobey our parents when God obeyed earthly parents in, the, in, ter, in terms of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. This is stunning to me. Have you ever wondered, like, Jesus going, you know, I really wouldn't have done it that way, Dad. He's thinking that, because he's smart. He's God. Or, you know, thinking, Dad, you probably shouldn't have talked like that to Mom because it was a little harsh. I many of you know, Joseph was a fallen human man, all right? He didn't always talk to Mary in, in King James' language. I mean, Jesus never sinned. Jesus wasn't a rebellious child. There's no rebellion in him. I'm sure there were many times when you thought, you know, mom and dad could have done this differently. I know teenagers in this room, in my own household, that sometimes have very strong opinions on whether or not their idea of how we should do things is better than my idea. Jesus submitted to fallen parents. You can too. Why obey my parents? I'm trying to help some people out. Listen to me. Every young person there is like, Oh God, he's preaching on children. Obey your parents. Why do we have to come today? Here's why you came today. So I can help you live a good life and a long life. I'm not going to ask which young person in this room thinks that it would be a good idea because I don't want to embarrass you if you're not listening right now. But good and long go together and they work together quite well. Why obey? Number one. Because God said so. Can I just tell parents, please don't reason with your first grader. Why? Well, honey, let me explain. No! Let me help you. Because I said so. And you're the child. I'm the leader. I'm going to teach you what Jesus looks like in our home and keep you from doing something stupid that could harm you. I'm the dad. At this season of your life, you don't need a why. You need to obey. How many of you know when you, when God asks us to do something and we go, "Why?" It's silent. Cuz God is not going to have a stupid discussion with you. <laughs> when he's been clear, can I just share a pastoral pet peeve? There's been times we give people counsel and, and, and it's from the word of God and they'll say something like this. Well, pastor, we'll seek the Lord about that. What do you need to seek? I just read it to you. And by the way, I'm also your Pastor. Obedience is what God's looking for, not you to super spiritualize it and get caught up in the third heaven and try to have a new encounter and a new revelation from God. Can you just obey? You know, let me just say we're, we we're way too therapeutic today. And sometimes we the best thing we can do for young people is teach them that authority matters. You don't need an explanation. You don't need to agree with it. You don't need to feel warm fuzzies in your heart. You just need to obey. Why? Because God said so. Number two, because your parents are worthy of obedience. Can I just say this? After watching my lovely wife expand, contract, expand, contract, and birth eight children. I mean, we watched elbows. (laughs) Oh, we'd be out in public. Oh, she'd be doing stuff like that. Any pregnant woman in this place knows exactly what I'm talking about. And then you get into, finally, you're going to give birth. You're walking around. You feel like you've gained 8,000 pounds. You're walking around. Your back hurts. Your feet hurt. And then you deliver this child, this baby, that seems like it's 500 pounds, comes out of your birth canal. Can I just tell every child in this place, Your mama deserves obedience if for no other reason what she went through to bring you here on planet Earth. You should be kissing her feet, hugging her, honoring her. I am dead serious about this. In fact, listen, if you had the worst parents in the world, you know why God expects you to obey them and to honor them? Because you wouldn't be here apart from them. I remember when Bishop Wellington Boone was sharing here, he had, a, on the natural level, a horrible earthly father. His father simply donated sperm. That's all his father did, and his father was gone. He never knew his father. Later in life, he connected with his dad when his dad was ill and at the end of his days, and he went and he honored his father and, listen, thanked his father, who he never knew, never was there, never did anything for him. He thanked his father. Listen, for giving him life. That's powerful. And you know what? He went on to become a great man of God. Because it's not contingent upon your natural seed and beginning, it's about the call of God and the purpose of God for your life. Every one of us, no matter how our dads have failed us, still can honor and obey our fathers for the simple reason, how about this, that roof that's over your head, That food that's on your table, that underwear that mysteriously shows up folded and cleaned and laundered in your drawer, and you're going, this is a miracle. No, it's called your mother. You know what I'm talking about? The food that she prepares. How about your dad when he gets up every morning and works his tail end off and comes home, and he might not always be in the greatest mood, but how about one day just saying, Dad, thank you for providing for me. I am so grateful. For how hard that you work. This is what I'm talking about. It says it's The Bible says it's the right thing to do. In other words, there is a natural sense of rightness for us to honor the people who gave us life and who provided for us and who cared for us. It's the right thing. How about this? It pleases the Lord. Can I just help you all out this morning? If you know you're going to stand before God someday, I cannot think, if you said, what questions, what questions should I be asking myself right now to prepare myself for that day? This is the question. Ready? What pleases God? I can't think of a better question. What pleases God? Because listen, if I can only figure out what pleases God, and then if I can do what pleases God, I know that on the great day, I'm in good standing. Does this make sense? Let me help you out. One of the things the Bible says that pleases God is to obey and honor your parents. Okay, I'm gonna move right on. All right, um, fourth thing, parental obedience is the training ground for obedience to the Lord. You know, I shared earlier I love it when our youth group does their soaking nights, they get in the presence of God, they worship the Lord, they love on Jesus, but listen, if you do all that and then you come home and you still haven't cleaned your room after two weeks, what is a better indicator of your heart before God? Let me help you out, a clean room. This is all nothing if there's no feet to it. I've even had this conversation with my kids. And I said, wait, 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 didn't you guys just come from youth group? Then why are you acting like pagans? In fact, you're acting like uncivilized. But You're acting like barbarians. You're acting like cannibals. You're eating one another. Ah! I thought you just came from church. Boy, Pastor Aaron must have really preached bad tonight because you guys didn't pick up anything. <laughs> no, it's not Pastor Aaron's fault. Who cares how much time you spend in religious places and doing religious activities? Listen, listen, men, our first church, our first, by the way, all of you men in here, you're all pastors. What do you pastor? Your, Your congregation. What's your congregation? Your wife and your kids. I'm not talking about, some people, some people, they're like, kids, get in here now. We're going to have family devotions. Shut up. Sit down, behave, open up your Bible. That's not what I'm talking about, Pastor Grumpy. (laughs) Sing louder, sit up straight. No, listen, how many of you know you pastor 24-7, 365? The people closest to you. That's That's your congregation. And your kids are looking. How is a young person going to learn how to obey God I'll tell you how. They learn it by learning how to obey God in their home, which is called dad. You know how we joke around about our wives sounding a lot like the Holy Spirit? I already gave that example in my own marriage. Well, guess what? People say, well, I just need to hear from God. If your father spoke, you just did. Because he's functioning as delegated authority in your home to shape your life. Is this making sense to everybody? And you're like, well, I just need to hear from God. You just did. He's six foot two, weighs about 250 pounds. His name is Dad. He's in your house every week and he asked you to take the garbage out. God just spoke to you. That's the way de- delegated authority works. Any anybody in the army knows exactly what I'm talking about. When your authority speaks, they're speaking on behalf of their authority, speaking on behalf of their authority, speaking on behalf of you might go up the chain, but somebody spoke and somebody's carrying it out, and it's just as if the general said something. Does this make sense? Second thing I want to hit on quickly here. i got three minutes. Honor. Honor is simply the reverence that's shown in word and in gesture. Look at Proverbs 31. Famous passage on the, the, the uh, Proverbs 31 woman, right? Listen to, look at what it says about her children. Her children stand and they bless. Honor is communicated with our bodies... Let me just give you all a quiz this morning. Parents, help me out. If we give our children a command and we get an eye roll, is that honor? No. If we give our children a command and they storm out of the room and slam the door, is that honor? No. If we give our children a command and they continue staring at their iPhone and pretending like they didn't hear us, is that honor? No. If you call your child's name, hey, child, hey, child, And finally, you hear this. What? Is that honor? No, let me help you. Get off of your butt and run up these stairs and stand in my presence and act like it matters. Act like my voice matters. And if you don't, I will help you learn that my voice is the most important voice in your life. I remember an egg roll once, or I egg roll, I roll once. I had some egg rolls too, but. I remember the eye roll that was followed by the head roll. Anybody know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Say, well, pastor, I don't know if that's godly. Trust me, it is. Because the fruit of what came out of my life after that was, you know what? Eye rolls among dads, not a good thing. We got too many people now. I mean, my goodness. My child, I think they need psychotherapy. You know, they're just so disobedient. No, what they need is a parent. They don't need psychotherapy. They they don't need a pill. Everybody's on pills. Everybody's got an acronym in front of their name. You don't need a pill. You need the fear of the Lord in your heart, and you need a vision to have a long life and a good life. That's what you need. Her children stand because they honor her. And look at this. They bless her, which means they use their words to tell their mother how awesome she is. Can I just share this? I I I really want this to be positive. I'm trying to get us fighting together. I'm, I'm trying to share this. If you're still living under your parents' roof, okay? You're still living under your parents' roof. I'm telling you, you are a critical part of the peace and the unity and the blessing and the favor of God on your home, you're also a critical part of bringing hell into your house. When is the last time you went up to your mother, gave her a hug, gave her a kiss, said, Mom, thank you for all that you do for us. Thank you. Mom, you go sit down. I would like to do the dishes. I mean, are you kidding me? or you're at the ball game. Hey, Dad, buy me a Gatorade. What? (laughs) Buy, who do you think I am? How did you just ask in front of all these onlookers? Say, hey, son, up at the screen, don't ever disrespect your father (laughs) like that again. Because here's the deal, Father, would you be so kind out of the benevolence of your heart and of the commonwealth of our kingdom to bless me, even though I'm undeserving, to bless me with a Gatorade? Do you know that if there was an ounce of honor in the request, there would be an infinite supply of Gatorade? Am I speaking to the right people in here? There there is not a parent... There is not a parent in this room who by nature does not want to bless their children. Am I speaking to the right crowd? Nothing shuts me down, ticks me off, sets me off on fire more than an eye roll or a simple, I'm not even going to acknowledge what you just did to bless me. But one thank you. Or how about this one? You're working your butt off in the yard. And the people walk by you like you're not working no suggestion that they could possibly help. And then want to know if you can give them money and they can go out and spend the day with their friends. Come on. Come on, reach reach, <laughs> it's like if somebody could just say, Dad, thanks for all that you do. I noticed that the yard's getting a little out of control. How can I help you bring order to the chaos this morning in our yard? I would drive you to Lake Michigan. I would apply sun lotion on your back. I might even bring Gatorade with me so you could cool your thirst. If you would just, for a millisecond, realize that there are people in your life working very, very hard for your existence and ongoing blessing, that if you just stopped long enough to honor and to possibly work for a small portion of time, the blessings that would flow out of that relationship are unbelievable. Mom, for all the years of laundry, all the years of wiping my dirty behind before I was even old enough to realize you were doing it. I mean, come on. Honor, obedience stops. As soon as you stop, your, you start your house, you get married, you're raising your kids. Guess what? The, the, the instructions in the Bible to obey your parents, those in it, because guess what? Your parents, you're, you're in your own home. But listen, the command from God to honor your parents never, ever stops. My mom and dad, at this season of their life, the one thing I can give them in abundance is the gratitude and the honor out of my heart for all they poured into me, for all they've done for me, for all that they provided. And let me just say this. How do we honor? Very quickly, I'm gonna get out of here. I'm cutting, just so you know, I'm cutting. Edit, as edit as I go. Edit, I'm trying to be sensitive to you guys. Here we go. We forgive our parents for the failures that they made. Every parent has failed. Forgive them. They're not perfect. Forgive them. Speak well about them because as you speak well about them, you release God's purposes over their life and God's favor comes back on your life. Speak and thank them for the kind of... If your father did one thing right, then you say, my dad did this really, really well and I am grateful. Don't mention the 10 other things that he didn't do well. Esteem them publicly. Never undermine your parents publicly. Always honor your parents publicly. How about this? Pursue their counsel. You know what? When you come up to a parent and say, hey, mom or dad, can I get your opinion on this? After they come to, come to consciousness and get off the floor, you know what they just experienced? Honor from you because you value their input. You care about what they have to say. And listen, support your parents emotionally and support your parents financially because there'll be times that they go through when they feel like there's no one there. Look at what David said in Psalm 71. He says, and now in my old age, don't set me aside. Don't abandon me when my strength is failing. How many of you know as people get older, as your parents get older, the two things they fear the most is that they're gonna be forgotten and they're going to be abandoned. Well how do you how do you take care of that You make sure you stay in their lives. You make sure that you love them. You make sure that you're there to encourage them. You make sure that you spend time face-to-face with them. You make sure that you do whatever it takes. You make sure you bless and you communicate. You make sure you say the things that you need to say before you're at their funeral and you can't say them any longer. You honor and you love and you support and you esteem them and you thank them for who they are and for who they've been. And right up to their last moments, you make sure they know what an incredible blessing they've been over your life. Notice this. We do this not only in our our biological families, but we do this in our families of faith. How many of you know there are people in this room who have invested in you, prayed for you, encouraged you? I mean, I find it interesting. We just talked about this. This church gives away thousands of dollars to people in need, and some of the people we invest in the most are gone. They're gone. I wouldn't treat a dog that way. It is basic human decency. I'm not even talking about redeemed decency. It is basic human decency to be grateful and thankful to people who invest in you when you are that two-and-a-half-year crack addict on the street, homeless, whatever. When somebody invests in you, it is, the Bible says it's the right thing for sinners and saved alike to simply express gratitude and honor. Husbands, how about if we simply honored our wives like like the way Solomon did? Standing to his feet, bowing before his queen, placing her next to him on the throne. Oh, and by the way, grabbing a throne for mama as well. How about Jesus on the cross when he's crucified and giving up his life? And and, in the natural, as a man, he's looking at his mother. And one of the last things he did is tell John, make sure you care for my mom. Jesus modeling what it's like to honor parents. There's, there's not a young person out here, your parents haven't invested thousands of dollars, given thousands of hours of time. How many of you know when you become a parent, you literally die to yourself forever? You become a professional taxicab driver. You become a, a, someone a, a, a food prep preparer. You gotta go raise the money for these kids. And listen, I'm saying all this because children are a blessing. They're a gift. They're a reward. Act like it. Act like it. Make sure your parents go, man, I want my mom and my dad to feel like I'm an incredible gift and I'm a great reward. I never want to be a burden. I never want to be somebody that causes my parents grief. Listen, can you give me like, <clears throat> can, I, can I have five minutes? I could put up four, but I really want five. All right. I just want to, I just want to, I want the weight of this to hit. Because listen, our culture is so jacked up. I just want to be a little more politically incorrect before I end because I will feel better. All right. Next point. I'm ending with it. I'm putting this exclamation point down. God hates rebellion. It should cause us to tremble on the inside. Let me just read a sample of some delightful passages to encourage your heart this morning. Deuteronomy 27, verse 16. Cursed is anyone who dishonors their father or their mother. I got people running around We're in this whole grace kick today, as if, as if the Old Testament wasn't written by God. I'm blessed. Hallelujah. I'm blessed. Let me just pop your bubble. If you're living in rebellion against your parents, you're not blessed. You're cursed. You're cursed. What does that mean? It means... It means everything about your life is going to be difficult and hard. That's what it means. It means you're not walking in the favor of God. Oh, but I'm a Christian. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Listen, listen, help me out. Act like it. Prove it. Honor your mom and dad. Obey your parents. Don't quote Bible verses at me. The person living in rebellion is not walking in the favor of God. They're walking in the cursing of God. I don't want to live under a curse of God. I don't know about you. That doesn't sound fun. Let me get to one. Here's another politically correct passage. Exodus 21, verse 15. Anyone who strikes his father or mother must be put to death. Exodus 21, verse 17. Anyone who dishonors his father or mother must be put to death. Oh, just one more. I know your hearts are feeling warm and fuzzy right now. Deuteronomy 21, 18. Suppose a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who won't obey his father and mother, even though they discipline him. He still doesn't listen. In such a case, the father and mother must take the son to the elders as they hold court at the town gate. The parents must say to the elders, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. Oh, and by the way, he just refuses to obey. Oh, and let me add too, he's also a glutton and he's a drunk. Okay, what do we do, Lord? Then all the men of his town must stone him. In this way, you will purge evil from among you, and all Israel will hear about it and be afraid. Now, how many of you are grateful that we're not living as a nation of Israel under the Mosaic law, and that that's not applying to us right now? Because probably no one would be here today. <laughs> but here's what I want you to see, and this is what you need to get: that was a revelation of God's heart. God doesn't sin. God defines reality as it is. You're not gonna get a higher opinion of what's true than that. What did God say? I'm I'm paraphrasing. If you're living as a rebellion, God hates it so much, he views it as capital punishment. And to purge the rebellion from the camp, you would be stoned publicly, not by your dad, but by the elders and the men of the community with everybody watching. And here's the message that was sent home to every family. I ain't going to act like that. When my dad says something, I'm listening. I don't want to end like that. Now, that's for a, a son on planet Earth before an earthly father. It's supposed to teach us something about someday standing before the God of all authority. And we got people nowadays that they're looking for warm fuzzies and a special revelation from God. And I'm just telling you, knock it off. We need to take the word of God much more seriously. And, and listen to me, if you're, if you're a son or daughter in this place, which is all of us, there are some of you, you might be my age, but if your mom and dad are living and you are an absolute hellraiser, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm speaking on behalf of the Lord right now. You need to call them up as soon as you leave this place. And you need to ask them to please forgive me for the way I lived. I did not honor you. I did not respect you. Please forgive me for the grief and the chaos I opened up in our home because of my stubbornness and my rebelliousness. Please forgive me. I'm talking to people my age. If you're much younger and you're under the roof of your parents, can I encourage you to find some time, sooner the better, but find some time to do a Holy Spirit self-examination And examine your heart, and if you've caused grief, strife, chaos, insubordination, you've just made it very, very difficult for there to be any kind of peace or order in your home, can you please seriously pull your parents aside and humble yourself and ask them to please forgive you, and then listen, ask the Lord to change your heart. I'm telling you, revival can break out in your home. You can see amazing things. I told you the story about me yelling at my kids and I was gonna give them a lecture and God told me, no, you go repent before all your family and wash their feet. And when I did that, the whole atmosphere of our house changed. Teenagers that were yelling at each other had tears running down their cheeks as they hugged each other and asked for forgiveness. This is real. It takes somebody to simply say, please forgive me. And listen, if dads have been harsh or misunderstanding or whatever, we do that sometimes as dads. When a child comes to you and says, Dad, will you please forgive me? I'll tell you what goes off in a dad's heart. Instant turning to a child and saying, hey, please forgive me. My son Joel, whom I love to death, he shared at one of our leadership retreats, he said, he said Dad, I just went through a season when I felt like I could never please you and where everything I did was wrong. Ugh! It was like a dagger way in my heart. Because there's not a dad in this room that wants that message to be communicated through our nonverbals. I'm not gonna do it right. I'm never gonna measure up. I'm never gonna please you. And when he said that, I was so shocked. It stunned me because that couldn't have been farther from my heart. But here's what happened. When he said that, oh, We embraced, we cried, oh, we wept, we are on each other's shoulders. I said, will you please forgive me? And here's what I did. I said, I love you. I am so proud of you. You're you're so amazingly talented in so many areas. I'm so blessed to be your father. I just had this gush out of my heart because I wanted to communicate to him the truth about what I felt about him. But I never would have known it if my son wouldn't have had the courage to be vulnerable and to say, Dad, this is how I feel. This is how I feel. I'm just telling you, parent, if you'll go after your child's heart and make sure we do it in love and make sure we we nurture their hearts, but listen, when we ask our children to do something, it should take one time, especially when they're little. I'm gonna be politically incorrect again. Don't reason with a one-year-old. Whack them on the behind. Well, pastor, this is modern culture. We don't do that. Then you're going to teach your child to be a hell raiser is what you're going to do. Your one-year-old doesn't need a therapy session from you. My father said, hey, don't walk out in the street. He wasn't waiting for me to sit down and have a counseling session with them. If you walk out in the street and you're one, you get killed. You're dead. So you know what he did? He whacked my behind and said, no, we don't do that. I'm not talking about abusing our children. I'm talking about spanking our children. Ow! That hurt. Yeah. That doesn't hurt as much as a car running over you. I'm trying to help you. we got to stop this nonsense. We've got to teach that God is a God of authority. and God's not going to be, oh, yeah, no problem. I get it. Yeah, you, you read what I said, but it didn't really fit with how you felt. No, God's not going to say, let me just help you out. You're going to stand before him someday. You're going to be surprised. That's not the way God is. Oh, he's so full of love and grace. Yes, he is. That's why he spoke to you and said, don't do it. That's why he told you don't do it. That's called grace, grace. Grace isn't, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, he nailed his son to the cross for us. This is serious business. Let's stop treating it like it doesn't matter. This is serious business. When I went out to Washington, last thing, prompt. When I went out to Washington, John Bevere was speaking. Everybody knows John Bevere. Incredible man of God. There was a season in his life when on the inside he was full of lust. He could not get up and preach without his eyes catching a beautiful woman in the audience and thinking immoral thoughts about her while he was preaching. How many of you know that's bondage? And Lester Summerall, how many of you know Lester Summerall? Great man of God, he's with Jesus now. This is what Lester Summerall said to John Bevere. Knock it off. That doesn't sound like good therapy, does it? Knock it off. We have way too many mothers in the church and not enough fathers. Some of us, we don't need to be nurtured through our lust problem. We need men of God to say, knock it off. If you're angered and you're destroying up your home, thank God for men that will get in your face, say, knock it off. Quit treating your wife that way. Well, you know, when I was a baby, knock it off. You're not a baby anymore. You're a man. Act like it oh, that's so not tender. Are you kidding me? I'm being as tender as I can be. That's how men are tender. Stop it. Stop it. Raise the bar. Let's start leading our families. Children, I meant what I said. Knock it off. Last warning. And then there's consequences. This is how we learn, listen, not to fight each other, but to move ahead. Even in a church, for crying out loud, we're supposed to be following the mission together under authority. And we got gossip spreaders and all this kind of stuff. Let me give you the word of the Lord. Knock it off. This is serious business. Man, we got to take it serious. We got to grow up. Stand to your feet. I won't pray for you. Marriage class, 4 o'clock is going to be awesome. Don't miss it. Hey, when you leave here today, go. If you've got parents still living, bless them. If they're not alive, thank God for, for what they did in your life and then determine you're going to be a great parent yourself. Kids, love on your mom and dad today. Hey, how do we do that, Pastor? The dishes. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right, Lord, thank you for the simplicity of the truth of your word. God, may this place be known as a place of obedience and honor. And God, may these twin pillars build a canopy of peace and blessing and favor and prosperity over our families and over the family of God. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, we love you. If you need any prayer, come on down, all right? Have a great afternoon.